0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Expository Insights with Pastor Lyle Wall. Today we are in the second week of our Advent series, The Christmas You've Always Longed For, with Keep Focused. Keep focused on Christ. There are just 15 more days until Christmas. As the days count down, the intensity level goes up. You may already find yourself thinking, This is not the kind of Christmas I really want, that my heart really longs for. Maybe next year things will be different. Next year things will have to be different. Over the years, I sometimes have looked to the scholarly, intellectual section of newspapers for insight into what people are thinking. I know some of you have done that as well. The comics. Of course, today many people check this out online rather than in print. One episode of High and Lois opens with them walking past a toy store with a sign displaying how many shopping days there were until Christmas. Lois is talking about the madness of the season. Presents, parties, decorations. There's never enough time to do it all. Hi, answers, I've got an idea. Why don't we just give everyone gift certificates and go away somewhere? That way you won't have to go crazy this year. Lois replies, It wouldn't be Christmas without the stress. Are you stressed out? Or at least a bit stressed? Are you finding it difficult to slow down? Often this feeling comes from complications and distractions from within ourselves as well as from outside, which combine to lead us to losing our focus. Keeping focused is a challenge in every area of life. A student in a cooking class was about to complete his masterpiece. All he had to do was put it into the broiler briefly to brown it. He put it in. Then he looked at another student's work, which looked great, and, you may have guessed, before he knew it, plumes of smoke were coming out of his neglected broiler. It was only a small fire, but it set off the fire alarms and the building had to be evacuated. Focus. It is important in every area of life. It is critical in having a Christ-honoring Christmas. As we continue our series today on The Christmas You've Always Longed For, we turn to keeping focused during Christmas and how we deal with the inevitable distractions. We are looking at Mary's example during this Advent season. The core truth today is that a Christ-honoring Christmas requires staying focused on Christ. This is so basic. We all know this, but how do we actually do it? How do we keep focused on Christ? The testimony of Mary gives us some positive, practical help. Let's start with a broad view of Mary's focus on God. As we read the accounts in Matthew and Luke's Gospels, we find some examples of her inevitable and mounting distractions. Matthew sets the scene, the reality of her situation. Verse 18 in chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. To say this was a distraction is a gross understatement. It kicked off questions that could cause a growing stream of stress which might distract her from following God and enjoying his peace. Remember, after the angel Gabriel made his surprise appearance with the shocking message, Mary rushed to stay with her relative Elizabeth in the hill country of Judah for about three months. After some time away there to reflect, seeing Elizabeth's new baby boy John enter the world, and probably missing her parents and friends, a question she faced was, should she go back to Nazareth or not? It might seem natural to return, but there would be questions, gossip, rejection, and condemnation by some, by most people, when they knew she was pregnant. While not common then, being stoned to death for being pregnant outside of marriage was a possibility. Rejection by Joseph, her parents and family, her friends, would be likely. In some ways, it would have been much easier to stay right there with Elizabeth and not have to go back to Nazareth. So, what was she to do? Another question was who should she tell about the angel's visit? about why she was pregnant, what the angel said about her child, and what to tell them. Should she talk with her parents, with Joseph, her close relatives, and friends? If so, when? And again, what should she tell them? To tell people that she was a virgin, but was going to have a child by the direct work of God, would not have been any more readily accepted at that time than it would be today. A third question. How to get to Bethlehem? While we may not even think of this question, it was an inevitable question for Mary that could easily have distracted her. You see, the Jewish people knew what God had declared through the prophet Micah about the birthplace of the Messiah. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath, too little to be among the clans of Judah, From you, one will come forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. They knew. Mary knew the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. If she believed what the angel Gabriel told her, and she did, she would have to be in Bethlehem when the child was born. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, which is north of Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just south of Jerusalem. If you draw a straight line, it is almost 75 miles, or 120 kilometers, between the two towns, and we know that roads do not follow straight lines. The trip, most likely on foot, was not exactly a casual afternoon stroll. When should she or they go? How would they get to Bethlehem? These are just a few examples. Mary had major, mounting distractions which had to be managed if she was to keep her focus, if she were to honor God as she desired. We also see some examples of her process to manage the distractions in this passage there is her ongoing thinking things through, thoroughly, and accepting God's will. We saw this last week. Let's briefly review that. After the angel Gabriel's sudden appearance, we are told in chapter 1, verse 29, that Mary was pondering. She kept pondering. She slowed it down, thought it through, went through a process of sorting things out, After the angel Gabriel's shocking message, she replied, verse 38, May it be done to me according to your word. She accepted, believed, and committed to follow God's word and will. The process continued. After the birth of Jesus and the worship and adoration of Jesus by the shepherds, Luke tells us in chapter 2, But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She stored them, kept them in her mind as she continued to sort things out. She had an ongoing consistent pattern of discipline, a faithful focus, and accepting God's will. She also opened her heart to God's joy and praising Him, after Mary arrived at Elizabeth's and heard the confirmation of the angel telling her that Elizabeth was 6 months pregnant Luke tells us that Mary said my soul exalts the Lord my spirit has rejoiced in God my savior From our place in time it can be easy to miss Mary's attitude her conviction behind the words when chaos struck her world When her quiet, humble life and plans were turned upside down, she made the choice to slow down for reflection, as we saw last time. She clearly made a choice to open her heart to God and His joy, to have that as part of her focus, real joy. Let's briefly review joy. We looked at it recently during our series in John's Gospel, And again in my weekly devotional a week ago. There are many statements and analogies that try to draw the lines between happiness and joy. The fact is that the languages of the Old and New Testaments use the same word for both. True joy is not something that just happens to us as a result of positive, nice things. God's joy is not a fleeting feeling. Based on our circumstances. My working description of joy from Scripture is that it is God's gift of steadfast, delightful certainty. Again, true joy is God's gift of steadfast, delightful certainty. Mary's praise to God is summarized in her statement in chapter 1, verses 46 through 55 which is her personal testimony. That was our scripture reading earlier. Let's take an overview look at it. The opening two verses tell us what she has done and is doing, rejoicing in God, giving praise to him. The next two verses, verses 48 and 49, are praise to God for what he has done for her. The last five verses recite some of the ongoing great acts of God. She said more about God's great acts in the past than in her own current situation. Note a critical balance. To truly exalt, magnify, praise God, we need to make sure that He is the central focus of our testimony, not ourselves not even our own blessings. Yes, the hymn tells us, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. That is both right and good. But true praise begins with, is built on praising God for who He is, and then His mighty gracious works down through history, including for you. There are many praise psalms in the book of Psalms. Some of them praise God for who He is, such as Psalm 30, verse 4, Sing the praises of the Lord, you His faithful people. Praise His holy name. Praise God for being holy. Some of them praise God for His mighty works in the past. The final psalm sums them up. Praise God for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. And yes, others are psalms of praise for God's acts for the psalm writer. Psalm 116 opens, I love the Lord, because He hears my voice and my pleas, because He has inclined His ear to me. Mary's focus was on God. She maintained her ongoing thinking things through thoroughly and accepting God's will. She opened her heart to God's joy and praising Him. She was focused on God, on His will and work. There's one more aspect of her focus on God we will note here. God's provisions for her distractions. Let's look at just two of them. First, God's intervention with Joseph. Mary returned back home to Nazareth from Elizabeth's. We don't find details recorded as to what she did as she handled the who-to-tell and what-to-tell questions. Matthew's account, however, clearly indicates that when an angel came to Joseph, Mary had either said nothing to him or he had not accepted what she said. Joseph did not want to disgrace Mary before the whole community, and so was considering a quiet, fairly private option. Remember, the marriage contract between them had been signed by their families. They were betrothed or engaged. This was legally binding. To break it required a divorce. Further, her being pregnant then could... Would be seen by most people as a result of adultery, which, as I noted earlier, was punishable by death. To complicate matters, if Joseph completed the marriage, most people would think he was the father of the child and that he would be guilty of a great sin. The Jewish law allowed for a private divorce, which Joseph was planning to do in order to spare Mary. This is where God intervened far beyond Mary's ability. Let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. But when he, Joseph, had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit she will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And because he was a man living rightly with God and his truth, we read, starting in verse 24, And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You see, God always acts to fulfill his purposes and promises with his sovereign, unlimited power. And he always does it his way and at the time of his choosing. Perfect plans, perfect promises, perfect power, perfect action, and perfect timing. The Apostle Paul reflects this when he wrote in Galatians chapter 4, When the fullness of the time came, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. When the fullness of the time came, at exactly the right time, at the perfect time. Yes, God intervened with Joseph to deal with this disastrous distraction. The second intervention of God to deal with Mary's distractions was his intervention with Caesar Augustus. Mary and Joseph, along with all the people of Israel, knew the prophecy. The Messiah, the Savior, was to be born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth. We have no idea about what discussions they had nor about when they learned of god's provision of delivering them from this major distraction we do know that god acted look at the opening of luke chapter 2. now in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth this was the first census taken While Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each one to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him, and was pregnant. Have you ever thought about when and how Mary and Joseph heard of this order? Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, and he had to go at a certain time on the right dates. When was the first time they connected the dates to be in Bethlehem with Mary's due date? I picture them exchanging quiet smiles as they realized that God had done this or perhaps not-so-quiet smiles, but words, even shouts of praise to God, followed by quiet awe and worship. God intervened. He moved the heart and mind of Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the great Roman Empire, to have this census and have it at exactly his, God's, chosen time this reminds me of and is an example of the truth in the first verse in proverbs chapter 21 the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the lord he turns it wherever he pleases the picture is god directing rulers as a farmer directs channels of water to irrigate his crops when he opens a channel the water flows When he closes a channel, the water stops. So God can and does move rulers. Mary and Joseph had a faithful focus on God. That was their part. God did his part with his sovereign, all-powerful intervention. Now we move from Mary to ourselves, to our focus on God. To your focus on God. A Christ honoring Christmas requires staying focused on Christ. Note three things here. First, expect distractions during this season. We hardly need to be told that during the busiest season of the year there will be distractions things that divert, draw us away from what we know and want to be our focus. Things which stir up and conflict, confuse our emotions and motives. Yes, unless we do some healthy self-talk and prepare ourselves for, expect distractions, they can get us off track. Ask God to help you spot the distractions quickly, to see them for what they are. If you start to get stressed and lose your focus, Remember, distractions do come. They will barge into your life this Christmas. Don't be surprised, let alone dismayed. They will come. Be prepared. Second, fulfill your responsibility to keep focused. This is one of these things which is much easier said than done. Maintain your personal time with God during this busy season not legalistically, and yes, there will be some legitimate interruptions to your schedule. But do not put your prayer and Bible reading, devotional and reflection times on hold until after the Christmas holidays. What is the source of your happiness and delight this Christmas? Special times with family and friends, the beautiful lights and sights, and special gifts certainly can be great. Enjoy them, but also make sure that you consciously open your heart to God's joy, to His steadfast, delightful certainty, and praise Him. Along with everything else you choose to do, keep an ongoing audit of your focus, day by day, monitoring your times for reflection, monitoring your time with God, monitoring being able to say no to good things that are simply too much, and also monitoring your concern for those who are in need, especially those who need to know Jesus. Third, rely on God to do His part. We can't rush through the season without thought, focus, and discipline, And then expect God to make our Christmas experience one we've always longed for. Nor, on the other hand, should we ever discount what God is willing to do and is doing. Like Mary, we are not on our own. When and as needed, God manages the distractions directly, even miraculously. So today, and through the rest of the season, Ask God to help you to be sensitive to distractions, be able to spot them, especially the good things that you want to do or think you should do, but are actually distractions from being focused on Christ, from honoring Him. As you tell God you want to honor Jesus during this season, ask Him then to manage those things that you can't whether it be in finding a way around or through them, or even preventing some of them. Trust Him. Yes, trust Him. Even when it seems impossible, trust God. Remember how God intervened for Mary and Joseph. He will intervene for you. He will do His part. Trust Him. 15 days until Christmas. 15 days filled with excitement, anticipation, celebration, so many good things, and, yes, also with distractions which challenge our focus on Christ. Last Sunday afternoon, I preached at a church in Kelowna for their pastor, who was away. We had not been there before. We checked the route, and it seemed straightforward. But it wasn't at least for me, with my lack of an internal compass mind. Although we gave ourselves more than enough time to get there, when the service started, we were still trying to find the place. I'd like to tell you that I managed that distraction perfectly. I didn't. My focus was not 20-20 as I was driving, not having a clue how to get there. God was gracious. We did make it, and had a good time of worship. Yes, I need to. We all need to keep focused and rely on God, not to let the distractions rob us of the peace and joy of God, the Christ-honoring celebration we want, and He wants us to have. The Christmas you've always longed for, a Christ-honoring Christmas, requires staying focused. On Christ, Take some quiet moments with God, thanking Him for sending Jesus to be your Savior. He was born in the manger to die on the cross for you. Thank God that He gives His complete, perfect joy to all His children who will accept it, including you. As you determine to do your part, ask God to help you keep focused, to keep you on track, Managing the distractions so you can honor Jesus and enjoy this Christmas. Bow with me in prayer. God, our gracious Father, thank you for sending your Son to be our Savior. Thank you for this season of remembering, celebrating, his coming to earth as one of us to save us. We want to truly honor him and to have a truly meaningful celebration. Forgive us for times when we have lost our focus, have been distracted by both problems and good things. We commit ourselves now to do our part to keep focused on Jesus by your grace. We trust you to do your part of managing and providing what we need to stay focused. We pray in our Savior's wonderful name. Amen.